This is the Truth Hurts Program. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of the Truth Hurts Program with Steve Z. It is still Monday, April the 3rd, 2023. The outrage continues. An article I just read in Newsweek by Alex Phillips. Donald Trump gag order leaves Republicans outraged. This is true insanity. Republican commentators are reacting in disgust to report that a gag order may be placed on Donald Trump to prevent him from commenting about his indictment, describing it as insanity and despicable. The double standard continues. Silence conservatives. Silence Republicans. Silence anyone who goes against the Biden administration and the Democratic Party witch hunt. Legal experts said it is extremely likely that a gag order will be placed on the former president the moment he is arraigned. He is expected to turn himself over to law enforcement in New York on Tuesday. When asked to comment on the talk of a gag order, a spokesman for the New York Supreme Court told Newsweek that the indictment is a pending criminal matter, so it does not wish to comment on wild speculation and unsubstantiated claims. Supposedly, Donald Trump was indicted on Thursday night, but we don't know why. What about being told what you're being stopped for, officer? Why did you pull me over? Why are you indicting me? And we are pretty sure it has something to do with the non-disclosure agreement that was signed by Stormy Daniels, paid for by Michael Cohen, with no direct ties to Donald Trump. Though the charges against him still have yet to be made public, two anonymous sources who claim knowledge of the case told the Associated Press that he will be facing multiple charges of falsifying business records and maybe one felony. Alvin Bragg is a African american 13% hyphenated minority who is looking to maybe be the governor of New York one day, or at least the mayor of New York. And he, the Democrat, has been on a witch hunt against Donald Trump over alleged involvement in a so-called hush money payment scheme that was made to adult film star The Ho, Stormy Daniels. The payment was made by Michael Cohen, not by Donald Trump. Supposedly, Stormy Daniels, a.k.a. Stephanie Clifford, was paid $130,000 by Michael Cohen, a disgraced attorney, supposedly to be quiet about an alleged affair with Donald Trump way back in 2006, 10 years before he ever ran for president. Cohen claims he was reimbursed by Trump, but yet no paper trail, no money trail, no anything can tie the president back to that alleged payment. Donald Trump has rightfully denied any wrongdoing and is innocent until proven guilty in the court of law. He has repeatedly claimed the investigation was politically motivated, which we all know it is. Bragg is a direct affiliate of the Democratic Party. The former president also denies having an affair with Daniels, describes this case as a witch hunt and a fake case. Trump is expected to deliver some remarks to his supporters on Tuesday in Florida after he returns from New York City. This according to a campaign staffer to the AP. Supposedly, it's a bid to project a sense of strength in the face of the charges as he continues to run in the 2024 Republican presidential primary. He may not be able to tell them much, though. According to Duncan Levin, a criminal defense attorney and former federal prosecutor, it is extremely likely there will be a gag order put in place on this case. Mr. Levin says that gag orders are very common in these types of cases, particularly in cases where there is an enormous amount of pretrial publicity 
the person expected to be responsible for deciding the conditions of Trump's release, is Juan Merchan, a New York State Supreme Court justice. The former president says Juan Merchan hates me and was handpicked by the prosecutors. Others note that attacking the judge is not the smartest move, suggesting that a gag order would likely be more likely because Trump doesn't like the judge and the judge doesn't like Trump. On Sunday, it was reported that the Trump legal team is preparing for the gag order, with a source telling the newspaper they were considering adding a First Amendment lawyer to the effort to combat this and will fight it all the way. Gag orders, as you may know, are issued by courts to restrict information made public about a case in which a court is overseeing. Supposedly, it's designed to prevent the release of information that might alter the outcome of the case or the parties from commenting on the case. Under New York law, if Trump says a word that the judge deems is in violation of the gag order, he could be ruled in contempt, punishable by a whopping $1,000, 30 days in prison, or both at the discretion of the court. The ruling class, the ruling party, the Democrats, are out of control. According to Richard Grinnell in Twitter, it is never a good idea to suspend the Constitution in order to get to your political enemies. While a gag order would look to limit the public discourse about the case, which is already in unprecedented territory, Trump being the first former president to face a criminal indictment, the Republican Party and Trump allies have joined in his claims that the case is politically motivated. We all know it is. They've argued that such an order would deny the former president his constitutional right to free speech as protected under the First Amendment. A conservative activist and former Republican congressional candidate Laura Loomer described reports of the gag order as, quote, insanity in a tweet, which also said this is exactly what they did to Roger Stone. Free speech is dead. You might recall Roger Stone was Trump's long-term informal advisor who faced a gag order during a separate criminal case in 2019 over allegations that he misdirected an investigation into claims of the Russian election manipulation that did not happen. Stone was convicted on seven felony offenses. Trump commuted his case and sentence in 2020. Stone wrote on Sunday that a gag order on Trump would be, quote, unconstitutional and clear election interference, unquote. An apparent reference to his own trial. Jenna Ellis tweeted, These sick leftists don't even want to let Trump speak. Despicable. Trump said, The Democratic Party is scared. They're scared to death. Despite the chance that Trump will not be allowed to publicly discuss the case, Early polling suggests he has seen a rise in support amongst Republican voters in the 2024 presidential primaries since the moment he was charged. The campaign said it raised $4 million in the 24 hours since the indictment was announced. That number much, much higher now that we are in the middle of the day on Monday. A recently proposed Biden immigration policy has a major loophole, according to the Border Patrol Union. A report in the Daily Caller says the National Border Patrol Council submitted a memo to the Department of Homeland Security to highlight a major loophole in the Safe Third Country Agreement that Biden is seeking to implement at our southern border. The Border Patrol Union notified DHS that the new rule, which makes illegal immigrants ineligible for asylum if they've already passed through a safe country on their way to the U.S., will still allow many migrants to see a judge leading to their release into the interior of the U.S., according to the memo that the Daily Caller News Foundation has obtained. The adoption of a preference for asylum seekers to first seek asylum in an earlier country of transit, and then the creation of a rebuttal presumption against asylum eligibility are positive steps. 
But until the governing regulations make clear that unauthorized entry in this country will result in either immediate removal or continuous detention pending the adjudication of the asylum application, the justified hopes of non-citizens and their ability to enter and remain in the U.S. illegally will continue to fuel a rush towards our borders. Biden administration proposed this safe third country agreement attempting to crack down on an expected surge at the southern border in May. He's rolling out the welcome mat, putting programs into place with loopholes that will not punish anyone and will reward those entering illegally. This is the Truth Hurts program. I want to go overseas for just a moment to Great Britain, to England. Over the pond, KSI is a British YouTuber with more than 24 million subscribers. He's a black man. But you wouldn't know that by the headline, which reads, KSI apologizes, deletes YouTube video, and plans social media break after a racial slur sparks outrage. If KSI was a white guy, you'd know damn well he was white. The media would go crazy calling him a racist, a white supremacist, a bigot. But this man is black. And this article that was written in Deadline by Jake Cantor reads, KSI, the British YouTuber with more than 24 million subscribers, has apologized and said he's taking a social media break after using a racial slur during his latest video. KSI has become known for being at the forefront of the YouTube boxing craze. But on Sunday evening, he appeared with his Sidemen friends in a video based on the UK game show known as Countdown. In the letters and numbers game, which kind of looks like Scrabble, players must create the longest word possible from a string of random vowels and consonants within a 30-second time limit. KSI, whose real name is JJ Olatunji, created a word on the game live with his selection of letters, and it was an offensive abbreviation used to describe South Asians. Now, let's just say on the screen were the letters G-I-G-N-R-E, and I put those together laughingly, jokingly, and I spelled out the N-word that rhymes with bigger. I, a white guy, would be thrown off the set, demonized, castigated, vilified, charged with being a racist and a white supremacist, and never allowed on television again. I'd have all of my social media accounts canceled. I would be put on the front page of the news as a white supremacist cracker piece of crap. I would never be able to raise my head, raise my voice ever again in public. But you see, this is a black guy. And in England, the word packy, packy, P-A-K-I, is a derogatory term for people from Pakistan. Yes, it's like calling someone the N-word that rhymes with bigger to call someone from Pakistan a packy, or calling someone from Vietnam a gook, or calling someone from Japan a nip, or calling someone from China a chink or a slant, or calling someone from Mexico a beaner or a spick or calling an Italian person a wop, or calling someone from Ireland a mick, or calling a Jew a kike, or calling a white guy cracker. Offensive, racist language should not be permitted for anyone. But there's a double standard in the world. You can't offend the black-skinned in this country. You can't reprimand the black-skinned, because somehow they feel entitled to be able to say racist things. And only when they're called out, only when they're threatened with cancellation, threatened with censure, with sanction, then they come up with a meek, half-assed apology, and you're simply supposed to forgive and forget. The Sidemen friends were seen giggling about his word choice, 
But others were not amused after a clip of KSI's slur went viral on video where many people voiced outrage. I think he should be canceled. Completely, just like you do to white people who use the N-word that rhymes with figure. A BBC radio DJ named Bobby Friction said, quote, I had this racial slur thrown at me and I got physical beats by racists from my entire childhood. Genuinely upset at KSI, a guy my children love, did this and thought it was funny. The rest of them laughing can go f themselves too. The Sidemen YouTube account has since turned the countdown video to private, meaning it cannot be viewed by users who are not members of that particular YouTube account. Of course, KSI issued a half-ass apology on Twitter, saying, I want to apologize for saying a racist slur in a recent Sidemen video. There's no excuse, no matter what the circumstances. I shouldn't have used it, and I'm sorry. I've always said to my audience that they shouldn't worship me or put me on a pedestal, because I'm human. I'm not perfect. I'm going to mess up in my life. And lately I've been messing up a lot, so I've decided I'm going to just take a break from social media for a while. Now what's a guy who makes his entire living from social media going to do to buy his chips and fish and crackers and cookies? Who cares? I'm just pointing out the double standard here. He just gets to simply apologize, take a break, and he'll be back. New York Post's Miranda Devine says the Biden White House is uninterested in honoring the Nashville shooting victims. Every day last week, after three children and three adults were murdered by a transgender mental nut job at a Christian school in Nashville, Joe Biden has continued to wax lyrical about, quote, the joy, strength, and absolute courage of transgender and non-binary Americans, unquote, celebrating them as if they are awesome and special and good and forthright and deserving of specialized treatment. It's hard, though, to believe that at the moment when discretion and sensitivity were needed, Joe Biden issued statements from the White House claiming that transgender Americans shape our nation's soul. Well, if that's the case, then I guess every transgender will be out there murdering adults and children in Christian schools. On Friday, only four days after that massacre at the Covenant Christian School, Joe Biden issued a proclamation declaring that March 31st would be a transgender day of visibility. And then he railed against, quote, MAGA extremists who are advancing hundreds of hateful and extreme state laws that target transgender kids and their families. These attacks are un-American and must end. He hasn't decried the act of the transgender who murdered six people, though. The White House marked that occasion on March 31st with a 3,464-word what they call fact sheet, suggesting that conservative politicians are driving transgender youth to consider suicide. Never fear though, boys and girls, President Biden is standing up for transgender kids and families. The question is who the hell is gonna stand up for Christian kids and their families? Must Christian kids and their families now fear for their lives because of a hysterical lie encouraged by Biden that their loving faith is bigoted and hateful towards transgender people? Do now Christian children, their families, the teachers, the principals, the school workers have to watch over their shoulders now because they are now being targeted directly because of what Joe Biden says? Who is standing up for the victims of last week's horror? It's certainly not the media. The media has decided the real victims are the transgender community in anticipation of some imaginary make-believe fairy tale backlash from Christians. A headline from NBC said, quote, Fear pervades Tennessee's trans community amid focus on Nashville shooters' gender identity. One day after the massacre of those three little children and those three adults in Nashville, Tennessee, Amazon sent a message to all of their LGBTQIA employees and allies 
expressing, quote, support and solidarity during this period of apprehension and uncertainty. Really? Why don't you send out a message of support, Amazon, to all of the conservative, Christian, heterosexual, normal human beings who now have to be in fear that they will be attacked by some lunatic mental patient transgender who's likely thinking about committing suicide because they've either mutilated their bodies or they're in the process of mutilating their bodies and realize now that even doing so will not make them happy. It will just make them mutilated freaks and mental patients. The media said not one word about Christians this week, despite the fact that the Nashville shooting appears to have been a hate crime targeted directly at a Christian school. And we in the media cannot definitively assert the motive because the killer's so-called manifesto is being locked away, hidden from the media, kept from us. Unlike similar documents, when it goes against black people or gay people, the manifesto is published immediately and excerpts of it read across the crawls on news screens. Even when the funerals began for the Nashville victims, the White House kept up the charade. On Friday, in the middle of Biden's orgy of transgender pandering, the first of Nashville's victims was being buried. Evelyn Dickhouse, nine years old, was honored for her unwavering faith in the goodness of others. Mourners attending the funeral service for the victim said Evelyn made people feel known, seen, but never judged. The mourners at the Woodmont Christian Church in Nashville, a few miles from the Covenant School, wore pink and green in tribute to Evelyn's light and love of color the family requested that being done. The next day, the White House went ahead with a White House roundtable affirming transgender kids, an opportunity for domestic policy advisor Susan Rice to use children as props in Joe Biden's cynical political stunt that was aimed at demonizing Republicans in red states who have passed laws to protect kids from experimental gender surgery and hormones. This is the Truth Hurts program. Meanwhile, over at the world of Fox News, Bailey Hill reports that one former public school teacher issued a warning to parents nationwide on how educators are indoctrinating children on issues like transgenderism, all without their knowledge or their consent. Grace Christian Academy headmaster Stephen Schultz said some teachers in government-run schools have even been instructed against conversing with parents about key issues like the lie of gender dysphoria. Schultz told Fox and Friends Weekend, first of all, they need to know that they don't know, that there's an intentional effort to make sure they don't know. It's not being hidden within the institution. She says, I have friends inside the government schools who have been clearly instructed not to contact parents, not to inform parents when they see a child struggling, particularly in this area with chance gender dysphoria. Schultz detailed the experience in the public school system in a recent opinion editorial explaining how teachers at his previous school received training sessions addressing sensitivity to transgender students. They're doing it without parents' knowledge or consent, and that should be a crime. And this is the Truth Hurts program. An L.A. county has quietly introduced a program called Decarceration, an effort to swap jail time with a simple slap on the wrist. They're now thinking about releasing anyone with a bail at $50,000 or less back onto the streets with a little slap on the wrist. The agenda item was added to the board's Tuesday meeting called the Los Angeles County Take Actionable Next Steps to Depopulate and Decarcerate Los Angeles County Jails. The proposal outlines it would declare the state of mental health services and overcrowding in the L.A. County jails a humanitarian crisis, which would then require the county to move with deliberate speed and prioritize decreasing the number of individuals 
entering L.A. County jails. If passed, the local sheriff would be instructed on how to review its bail thresholds and to then cite and release individuals with aggregate bail amounts set at $50,000 or below. In other words, turn them loose. They're already setting extraordinarily low bails anyway. So this just means the criminals will be allowed to go out and continue being, well, you know, criminals. And government officials in California wonder why people are leaving the state by the millions. I don't know if you heard this or not. Joe Biden is refusing to refill our strategic petroleum reserve this year. Steve Goldstein writes in Market Watch, Trigger for Saudi oil production move was a comment that the U.S. will not refill the strategic petroleum reserve this year. Joe Biden's unqualified energy secretary, Jennifer Granholm, said last month it would be difficult for the U.S. to take advantage of low oil prices that are currently in place to replenish our strategic petroleum reserve because of maintenance issues at two of the four sites. They'll blame anything. And what they're calling low oil prices, not really that low, way higher than when Donald Trump was president. The Financial Times reported, citing people familiar with Saudi Arabia's thinking, that they are irritated by the comment. Either way, it comes on top of the stress in the financial sector that has dragged oil prices down to as low as $64 a barrel. Prices did bounce back, ending the month around $76 a barrel. Light sweet crude was trading over $80 a barrel this morning, and Brent crude over $84. The question now is, the degree that OPEC will follow through on its pledge to cut production and therefore raise prices. Biden and his energy team continue to screw the American people. In the publication 1945, John Rosamondo writes, Americans will pay the price. One Democrat is angry at Joe Biden. Got news for you, John. Millions of Americans are angry at Joe Biden, and millions of Democrats are angry at Joe Biden. Joe Manchin says he now regrets signing on to the Inflation Reduction Act, which was never intended to reduce inflation. I was hoping back in last July that Manchin would have been courageous and bold and brave enough to not sign that legislation. Biden claimed it would tackle inflation by aggressively producing more energy, getting more energy supply and bringing prices down. That $793 billion legislative boondoggle was supposed to have addressed health care, climate issues, raised taxes on only high earners and corporations, and reduced the federal debt. That bill came after Joe Biden's nearly $4 trillion Build Back Broke Infrastructure and Support for Social program legislation. And that followed the $1.75 trillion that was blocked in the fall of 2021. Manchin now admits that he was somewhat naive about the Biden administration objectives. Here's what Mr. Manchin wrote in an opinion piece in the Wall Street Journal. Quote, Our national debt stands at nearly $31.5 trillion or close to $95,000 for every man, woman, and child in America. It represents 120% of our gross domestic product. Annual budgetary deficits have averaged $2.71 trillion since October of 2019. Since COVID-19 began, we've added more than $8 trillion to the national debt, despite explicit direction from Congress to pay down our debt in the Inflation Reduction Act the Biden administration seems more determined than ever to pervert that law and abuse existing authorities to increase spending. This is, of course, a win-win for China. They're using our runaway national debt as an excuse for their pursuit of devaluing our dollar, ending the greenback's 80-year reign as the world's reserve currency, 
And the Chinese Communist Party's propaganda mouthpiece, the Global Times, blames the U.S. government's inability to balance its books for its latest push to end the United States dollar's status. Actually, Washington has only itself to blame, given that the U.S. has been aggressively using deficit financing to combat the so-called ravages of COVID-19, the widely exaggerated pandemic. The sustainability of its debt might be called into question as well, the Global Times says. Since the U.S. is stubbornly tethered to impeding and hurting other economies, their competitors have no obligation to embrace the outdated system and help keep the U.S. dollar at the top of the heap. The decades-long dominance of the U.S. dollar has placed America in a strong position to dictate the terms of global trade and finance. This has happened over the last 70 years. China says it's high time for a change. Brazil and China agree to conduct transactions in the Chinese Yuan this week. Saudi Arabia is doing the same. Joe Manchin has expressed anger with the administration's failure to follow the law's intent to expand fossil fuel production, to use regulatory measures to support green energy instead. The administration is attempting at every turn to implement the bill that it wanted, not the bill Congress actually passed. The Biden administration is ignoring the debt and deficit implications of their actions as the time nears to raise the debt ceiling. It's wrong. It's bad policy. It's political malpractice. And the only person who can rein in this extremism right now is gropey Joe Biden himself. Manchin wants Biden to come to the table and negotiate in good faith with fiscally-minded Democrats and Republicans to negotiate common-sense reforms to his out-of-control fiscal policy. Manchin says the second step is for Biden to instruct his administration to implement the Inflation Reduction Act as written, stop redefining its credits or other subsidies, and this will save the American taxpayer hundreds of billions of dollars in needless spending, according to Manchin. Thus far, Manchin says Biden has failed to deliver. Manchin says failure might score political points with left-wing partisans, but generations of Americans will ultimately pay the price. And this is the Truth Hurts program. Oh, and by the way, what's even worse is we're not refilling the strategic petroleum reserve that Biden raided for political re-election purposes. That alone should be a message to every single American. The Biden administration has weaponized every aspect of the United States government against its own people. And half the nation is too stupid to realize it, the other half too scared to even speak about it. There's another article I wanted to touch on today. Tyler Penley writes in Fox News, North Carolina school faces fallout for letting a drag queen straddle students. Where were the adults? A North Carolina community college is looking to revise campus policies after coming under fire last week for a video showing a drag queen straddling a female student sitting in a chair during an LGBTQ plus pride event on campus. The Winston-Salem area Forsyth Technical Community College, which offers two on-campus high school programs, allowing children as young as 14 years old to enroll beginning in the ninth grade, poses larger concerns over minors being exposed to sexually explicit behavior. As we saw in the video, a drag queen touched a child inappropriately, raising the question, what policies need to be reconsidered at this school to protect children from adults touching them inappropriately? It is shameful that there were adults standing there in the room and no one is doing anything about it. The so-called Campus Pride Festival lured in young students with free food and drinks. During the discussion, the question is, what about teaching the basics? You know, reading, writing, arithmetic? The answer is, Joe Biden and the Democratic Political Party 
have gotten their claws deep into the educational system and they are trying for whatever nefarious purpose to turn our entire nation into a nation of queers, drag queens, trannies, and other aberrant lifestyles. The destruction of America as we know it has not only begun, it is underway in earnest. This is the Truth Hurts Program. A couple of other quick headlines that we'll have to dive into at a later time. Progressives urge Biden to use his executive powers to advance their progressive agenda. Nashville shooter transgender Audrey Hale had a childlike obsession with staying a child, according to a former college classmate. Weaponization hearing devolves into chaos as Democrats shout at Republicans over witness testimony. Another headline, Trans Day of Vengeance rally in D.C. was canceled over a credible threat to life after the Nashville shooting. And nearly 200 Democrats joined Republicans in blocking the country, China, from buying rural land in the United States. At least they're doing something right and together. GOP representative stumps top military leaders with a question on drag shows on base. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin and Chairman of the Joint Chiefs Mark Milley were stumped by questioning by Matt Gates about drag queen shows on military bases. They don't know what's going on. The show that's going on right before their eyes and they know nothing about it. All right, folks, I've run out of time for this edition of the Truth Hurts program. Have a happy Monday. We'll see you next time. If you like what you hear, please tell a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, a colleague, or even tell your enemy. If you don't like what you hear, who cares? Copyright 2023, the Truth Hurts Program Network, all rights reserved. Thank you for listening to the Truth Hurts Program. Opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. I apologize if you are offended, but I retract nothing. Background music courtesy of Jason Shaw and Audio Nautics. Copyright 2023, the Truth Hurts Program Network. All rights reserved.